1: Welcome to episode 107 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. As always, I am coming to you from the Gulf Coast of Pensacola, Florida. Coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing my conversation with a returning guest, Mr. Zach Abramowitz. And I asked Zach to come back on the podcast to promote his latest short film, and it's something that's very near and dear to my heart because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. But he directed a Star Wars short film called Behind the Saber. And what's cool about it is that it was one of 25 short films selected for the Star Wars Fan Film Awards, which is a really, really big deal. And what's even cooler is that you can actually view it on the official Star Wars website, StarWars.com, and that's just mind-blowing if you think about it. But you can actually go on StarWars.com and vote for Behind the Saber. You have to make an account to vote, but once you do, you can vote once a day, and voting ends June 19th. So I talked with Zach about how he came up with the idea for Behind the Saber, some of the actors he worked with, and of course we even had to talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens, so lots of Star Wars discussion in this episode. So if you're a Star Wars fan, this is definitely for you. But hopefully you guys enjoy this interview, but before we get to it, I have to tell you about my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. The Unicorn Wranglers are an indie rock band based right here in Pensacola, Florida, and they are very important to this podcast, and that's because they supply the theme music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode. And the song you heard today is Twin Peaks from their album Murder Mystery Night, which is now available for free on Bandcamp, so just go to Bandcamp and search for the Unicorn Wranglers, and you can find Murder Mystery Night for free. That's my favorite four-letter word, is free. You can also find their EP, Atomics, on iTunes and Spotify. You can also follow them on social media. They're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Wranglers. And finally, be sure to check out their website, UnicornWranglers.com. And without further ado, here is my interview with Zach Abramowitz. <laughs> sitting here with my very special guest this week a now three-time guest on the derek diamond experience mr zach abramowitz zach how are you my friend
0: i'm doing well derek thanks for asking how about yourself
1: Doing good, doing good. It's been uh, it's been a long week, but you know what? You gotta you gotta hustle to make the big bucks, right?
0: That's right. Just gotta keep working. Team perseverance, my
1: friend. Exactly, exactly. So uh, I ask you to to come back on the show uh, because you got to do uh, something really cool, and this is something that when you told me about it, it was uh, very near and dear to my heart because it's Star Wars related. You got to do a Star Wars fan film. Which is like a, on a bucket list of mine. <laughs> it's called uh, Star Wars Behind the Saber. Right. Now, how did the idea of that come about?
0: Well, you know, um, you know, it's um, a couple months back. Some friends of mine told me they were joining this uh, the Star Wars Fan Film Awards, and uh, they some of my team that also works on Nightwing and Losers and some other projects here in New York. They were doing a fan film. And I wanted to do a fan film as well. And, you know, this, you know, just to even be involved in the contest is a great honor because, you know, some of these judges are, I mean, they're, ba- it's basically Lucasfilm and Disney uh, watching these films and judging them and selecting them to be in the contest. So my friends were making a film and I had decided to make one. One of the first web series I had ever made a long time ago was called Zach and Michael. And it was a, uh, web series a mockumentary about two actors and it and it opened up with them making a Star Wars film and I had this clip from eight or nine years ago and I thought well you know what I could just submit that like that could work and but then there were production issues so I didn't have the original file and I look way different I had 60 extra pounds on me at the time I used to be a fat guy and uh, it just It just didn't work out. Then the idea came about to reshoot it, like shot for shot, and it just didn't feel right. And so I had the idea of making a fan film in the spirit of that film. So, kind of like a mockumentary about actors making a Star Wars film, and the director's just out of his mind. There's no budget. Everything is wacky and unorganized, and kind of the chaos that ensues. And I took inspiration from The Office so confessionals from the actors and everybody and i just wrote something really quick and uh we i did an office style too so i had i i had scripted some scenes and then some scenes were left just to be improvised and you know we shot it really quick and it was a it was really it was a blast to make and now we're here we're in the Star Wars contest which is it's a big honor and and it's just i'm just happy to be here
1: Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that you made it in the style of The Office because whenever I watched it, it, that's what it reminded me of. This was like Star Wars meets The Office. Exactly. And, you know, I,
0: I searched and I did research. I, I couldn't find anything that was like this. One one idea that came to mind was, you know, Saturday Night Live did the skit with, um, uh, you know, Adam Driver playing, you know, going, like undercover bosses. Mm hmm. And he was like a guy trying to hide the fact that he was Kylo Ren, but he was like infiltrating the workspace and everybody really knew that he was Kylo Ren. And, you know, it was funny. Uh, it's definitely one of SNL's better things. But that was like the only thing I could think of that was similar to this idea for Behind the Saber. And I also know that most Star Wars fan films are basically lightsaber fights, Jedi's taking on Sith. You know, very, very much on the head. And I, I wanted to do something very different and kind of unique. And I was sure that they never saw this coming. And, you know, <laughs> my original cut for the film, because it was an improv comedy, my original cut came down to about 20 minutes. And I thought because of how I scripted it and I just didn't realize, you know, I, I just I all the actors I had on board. All of them are so talented. Lenny, Lenny Thomas, Erica Camarano, Jack Gatinella. Jack Gatinella, by the way, who plays the director. He not, was fantastic. Oh, my. He steals the show, man. This he, this is his movie completely from. from oh, start to absolutely. Finish. And, you know, I I was happy to kind of take a backseat and play the straight guy, kind of reacting to all the, the weirdness and stuff going on. And it was kind of necessary because I was directing it, too. And um, I wanted everybody else to really shine. And, you know, Jack's not even an actor. He's a a director. He makes movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I know Jack for a long time. And occasionally, you know, he if you know how to use Jack right, he really shines. And so I was really, I was so happy to to work with him and have him just, you know, kick ass in this thing. And I'm just, you know, I even talk about it. I reference the fact that there's other Star Wars fan films that, you know, I have this one line where I say, you know, why does a Star Wars film have to be? Uh, just about lightsaber fights and jedis, and
1: I like a I like a film
0: that tells a story,
1: you know. Exactly, and the what was cool about the the director is he was kind of like the Steve Carell character in a way because he said the stuff that was just so ridiculous that yeah. you just had to laugh. Like he actually had uh, some moments that made me laugh out loud, oh, which was, was awesome.
0: Yeah. And that and that's the thing, you know, he doesn't realize that there's anything wrong, you right. know. He's just, he's got, he's just this great visionary guy and
1: it's you my know, vision,
0: right? Exactly. It's his vision. You know, I, I just created this and, and so this is what's going to happen. And you know, it's, it's also great because you know, all the actor and filmmaker friends that I have would understand being on very low budget films and really like misorganized productions. And there's a lot of in jokes ter- in for star Wars and for filmmakers and actors Mm-hmm. Because it's just, it's, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff going on there. And um, it was a lot of fun to just kind of go for it. And, you know, like I said, you know, I I knew there was a chance that I would get into this contest. But I had no idea that when it went live on June 1st, they were only selecting 25 films from around the world. Because, you know, the, wow. contest, the contest was a bit vague, like in terms of saying... Um, how things were going to end up and, you know, they gave you some information, but not all the information, you know, it's the same way how they have the voting set up now that people can vote once a day, but you don't see vote counts. You don't see view counts. Uh, It's left vague on purpose. And I think that's because they want, they, they want to keep the competitive, competitiveness is, it's not the right word, but in terms of the, they, they want to keep the, They want to keep the field level. Right. You know, they want everyone to feel like it's kind of equal and everybody can support each other's films. And I think they're doing a good job of that. And I, like I said, I just couldn't believe they only selected 25. I thought the website was going to go live and there was going to be like 200 fan films on there and that people could watch and vote and comment, but it's none of that. They literally selected 25 films. And you can vote once a day until June 19th for the audience choice award. And it's just, it's, it's a great honor. Like i when I knew it was live on June 1st, I was like, I'm on star Wars.com. And that's so awesome. It's like, it's pretty cool. And I, I'm, you know, they say that some of the judges are JJ Abrams and Gareth Edwards of Rogue One and the producer and the executive producer of Rogue One. So technically these people have seen his work and, I don't know who the other judges are, but it's definitely it's been passed around the offices of Lucasfilm and Disney and it's it's it was a great, great opportunity and it's it's just incredible to be involved. Like it really feels like I kinda left
1: a mark, you know? Oh definitely. And,
0: but I could not have done it without my crew.
1: Definitely. So, yeah, definitely, because yeah. you know, a, a director is only as good as his crew hmm. That's how I've always looked at it. Yeah. Now. Now, when voting ends is just the awards over, is it narrowed down to like 15 or 10? Or is it just finished after? Voting well, ends?
0: as as far as I understand it, um, there are seven categories that the judges base your film upon, you know, certain criteria. You know, it's like best film, uh, best of show, best comedy, best um best visual effects, stuff like that. Uh, obviously, I'm going for best comedy. But the public voting is for the audience choice award. So my theory is that the voting ends on June 19th and then somewhere around July 15th, I believe they announce the winners. So that will include who the audience choice award goes to as well as the category winners. So, you know, it's it's completely possible that I could end up you know, winning best comedy or audience choice award or both. But there's some other comedies in the contest. You know, there's about seven or eight films I really enjoy. And and there's also a lot of films that are clearly like they're not filmmakers, but they are huge Star Wars fans and they were inspired to make something. And it's 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 just like pure creation. Like it's really cool to see that. Like family, there was a family that made a film. Uh, I forget the name right now. Uh, it might be called Star Malice Wars. And you can tell it's a family. It's like, you know, a a husband, wife, a daughter and son. And it's the four of them. And it was just really amazing to see that. But I think that's they haven't quite said like how it's how everything is going to be announced. But I'm pretty sure that come July 15th or whatever the date is, they'll announce all the winners. And then the winners remain on the site for a year. And they also use the winning films they promote at Comic-Con. So they go to San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con. They show those films at the Star Wars experience. And, you know, you know, the sky's the limit. Really, anything can happen. Um, you know, Jack, you know, who played the director behind the Sabre, you know, he can end up in Star Wars Episode IX as like, uh, as like a shopkeeper. Who's got a really bad attitude? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it could be like you know Simon Pegg played that character in The Force Awakens. Who uh, I forget the character's name, but he was the shopkeeper. You know, sixty portions. You know, I can totally see Jack doing something like that.
1: One um, quarter portion.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So anything's possible. You know, it's 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 really cool. And I tell you what, as a filmmaker, editing was really tough. And like I, the original cut was 20 minutes and one of this one of these specific contest rules and they had a lot of rules because this is coming out of Disney. So they had a lot of rules and most of them were easy to follow. But the time limit was really, really tough. And uh, it had to be five minutes and I had to cut it down from 22 minutes. And I had so many like funny, amazing scenes. And I had to cut out seven scenes because they were not essential to the story. Wow. And that had to be one of the best filmmaking experiences of my life, one of the best film schools that I've ever gone to, because I had to really sit down and say, okay, here's seven babies of mine, and I have to kill them now. So uh, <laughs> these babies are now dying. I'm deleting them from the timeline, and this is the essential five-minute story. And I got it literally. I literally, for a month, editing took me a month, like very intensive and I was shaving frames like as much as I could shave off. I was shaving, 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 and I got it literally. I had it down to 459, and just to be safe, I got it down to 458.
1: Because then you Smart know, choice.
0: Yeah, you know, it's better safe than sorry. I had to lose like one more joke, and it, you know, there's a lot of stuff. You know, one day I might do a director's cut. You know, just just for the hell of it, that has all of the original scenes back in.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: But um, it was, you know. It, It's, it was just so much fun to do. Like it was so much fun to shoot and you know, we only, it only, I wrote, okay. So I wrote the script in two days, we shot it in two days and then it took me a month to edit. And that's also because I was working full time and, you know, killing myself to make money with my day job and editing when I could. And, um, but I'm, I'm very, very proud of it. And I, I really hope that one day I get to speak to these guys over at Lucasfilm and Disney. And you know have like have like an actual conversation, but you know anything can happen because the the voting is till June nineteenth, um, and you know once it starts getting more popular and people are watching the the awards more and more and I'm seeing stuff on Twitter and I'm finding stuff on the web and who knows you know really anything can happen at this point you know the force the force is strong with behind the saber <laughs> and absolutely uh, you know. Um, do you have do you have any specific questions about the film? Is there something that's like really like you know ripping at you?
1: Um, I was curious, like all the actors that were in the film. Had have you worked with them before, or did they go through like an audition process? Did you hold one? Yeah. To, so, for, for the film.
0: Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, there were originally, I had intended just to use people I know, friends of mine. Uh, I ended up having to hold. Um, I almost ended up holding auditions for one or two parts because I had one guy for one part and it it didn't work out and it was coming close to the shoot and, um, it was, it was tough to like, because I basically wrote, actually, you know, when I was writing the script, I had, and this is, this was the problem too. When I, when I was writing the script, I had specific people in mind. A lot of that changed, Mm -hmm. um, then when I saw, you know, so I basically became flexible, and I was like, you know, Jack, I knew, like, Jack was down right away. Um, I wasn't sure about um, the the Jedi Princess part, who was, was played by Erica Camarano, and I, I wasn't really sure what I was looking for, and then eventually I just, I just spoke to her about it, and she was down, and... Um, I have to thank Erica actually because I almost didn't do this project because as you know, Derek, when you take on a new film project, there's a lot of work that goes on in pre-production. There's a lot of organization. There's a lot of putting things together. You, you're going to, you're going to hit lots of obstacles and filmmaking is about solving problems. So I was just like, do I really want to take this on right now? Is this something that's really worth it? And I had a long conversation with Erica about it and she, I was on the fence and she pushed me over the fence because she's a good friend. She's been a friend of mine for a long time. She's been in other projects that I'm involved with. And so it's almost, I almost want to say that it's because of her that behind the saber actually happened because I, it's just this long conversation I had with her that she really convinced me that it's completely 100% a hundred percent worth the shot. And it was because now I'm on starwars.com. So Erica, thank you very much. Absolutely. And, and um, so, most people are on board. I had to cast one person last minute who unfortunately didn't make the contest cut. He was one of the scenes that had to get cut, my friend Odysseus Baylor. Um, but if I do a director's cut, he'll be in there. And I'll talk about Lenny Thomas for a second because Lenny, um, the Sith character, there was a, there was a friend I wanted to cast, but he was SAG and this is a non union project. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I was trying to do this thing on a shoestring budget. I was not trying to spend any money. My Mac, honestly, we can get it to budget another time, but I literally spent only a few hundred dollars on this thing, and um, it doesn't look like that. So I'm very proud of it. And Lenny, I I was working, I was working on a catering shift for my day job, and. Lenny Thomas, I've, I've known for a while, and he's a great guy, I know he's a talented actor, and I was frustrated because now I couldn't cast this one person who was SAG, and I wasn't going to make SAG paperwork, So, um, because then SAG paperwork means also thousands of extra dollars that I don't have. Right. So I wasn't going that route. So I saw Lenny, I asked, and we were on a shift together, and I said, Lenny, let me ask you a quick question. Um, are you union? And he's not union. Right away, I just knew, just an instinct, like like I was force sensitive for a minute, and I knew that Lenny was the guy. And Lenny was on board. And Lenny is such a great person. He's a great motivator. Uh, he's got a good heart. He's got a good head on his shoulders. And uh, he came on, and he took the role, and he just he just he just killed it. He just absolutely killed it. Like I knew he would, and you know he made the project even better. You know they say. You you make a film three times when you write it, when you shoot it and when you cut it. And that is absolutely true every time you make a film. But like I said, when I had Lenny on set and we were filming, I was like, this is this is one of the best choices I've made for this project. And, you know, like if you look at the dichotomy between my my character and his character, I'm just a frustrated actor. Lenny is just kind of having kind of having a good time, you know, for the most part. He's frustrated, but he doesn't care. He he he's more of a simple guy. Exactly. And I'm here. I am trying to like do my do my work and do my craft, and all these obstacles are against me. So, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of variations that go on throughout the film, and everybody else really in the film was through uh, my network of people who I work with in film here in New York, and you know, friends of friends and, um. They were all on board. You know, Devin Kloss, who plays the Disney rep. Um, mm-hmm. Minor spoiler. I'm not going to say what happens when the Disney rep shows up. You have to watch it on StarWars.com. Exactly. But Devin's been a longtime friend. He was in Losers and the Losers TV pilot. Uh, he's my co-star. And Devin just loves to, to work with people, and he loves to support people in their creative projects. And he's always a great guy to have around. And I'll be working with Devin on his film that he's directing in August. So it's, it's mostly this project, but because like I said, there was, there was little to no budget. Nobody was paid. Um, you know, we're just trying to have a chance to be on starwars.com and have fun. And everybody in the project is an aspiring actor, filmmaker, uh, you name it, something within the arts. So everybody was happy to be there for the chance of the exposure. And I'm happy to say, look, guys, we are on starwars.com. And this is really only the beginning. Because, you know, I if we end up winning Best Comedy or Audience Choice Award, you know, I reached out to one blog, a uh, popular blog, I won't say who, on Facebook, and I, I sent them the link to the Star Wars Fan Film Awards, and I explained what was going on, and they said, if you want us to uh, – if you want to send us a tip, you have to follow this email and – and use this protocol and blah 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 blah. This is a this is a famous Facebook blog. It's got like half a million followers. And I asked them, I said, okay, thank you. But out of curiosity, did you know that the Star Wars fan film awards were going on? And they said, Of course we do, but we wait until the winners are announced. So what that tells me is that a lot of the blogs on the internet, because you know, these fan film awards have been going on for years, and I think there was a hiatus. Somewhere, they started in like 2001 or 2002, and there was a hiatus between 2008 and 2014 approximately. And they came back in 2014, and then with The Force Awakens, it was bigger in 2015. And uh, we have a friend, mutual friend, um, uh, Catalina Mermelstein Knox, who is involved in Nightwing Escalation, mm-hmm. uh, the project that I produce. And she was in one of the films that won last year called The Lesser Evil. And that currently is play. it's, it's on StarWars.com somewhere uh, as like last year's winners. So um, it's possible that, especially now with J.J. Abrams and The Force Awakens, that the Phantom Awards will be even bigger this year. But obviously we have to wait until the winners are announced and to see what the next step is because then it could be that once they announce the winners in mid-July, then the internet goes crazy and they say, here's your top seven Star Wars fan films. What do you think? Versus I'm surprised that like the blogs aren't promoting it now saying, look, the Star Wars fan films are up. What do you think? Who's your pick? So maybe, you know, it's my first time being in the Star Wars Fan Film Awards, so I'm not really sure how it works. I just know that the world – just watching it, you know? Um, so it's, it's getting there. I mean, really it only went live one week ago on June 1st and the voting goes until June 19th and we will see where it takes us. But I, I also think that once, once the contest is over that, and that's also like a week from now or, or like, you know, 12 days or so. So, I'm, I'm doing what I can within my circle, and I've, I've, I've touched base with some of the other filmmakers on Facebook and Twitter, and I see that they're sharing their film, and I'm sharing my film, and we've just been in, in touch. If you ask me, I don't think any of us in the top 25 are in competition. I think we've all won because right. they've, they're showcasing us all on StarWars.com, and it's a great honor, and I've watched them all. And I definitely have seven or eight that I think are my favorites, and some not not so favorite. But yeah. I think everybody wins in this contest.
1: Yeah, if you've made it to the final twenty five, then that that's that alone is something to you know take great pride in. Yeah, and I, I haven't had a chance to watch any of the other ones, yet, but some of them do look like they have really cool concepts and actually look like they're really well made. Like I think there's one that. Looks like old Disney style animation. Yes, I can't remember the name of it, but that's one I definitely want to watch just to see, you know, how it's done. There's but- some some
0: very very creative ideas. Um, I'll talk about one briefly. Okay. Uh, because this film is totally different from from Behind the Saber. Uh, Behind the Saber is going for best comedy. Um, so I am not in competition with with this other film. Because it's not, it's it's it, there are funny moments in this film, but I wouldn't I wouldn't call it I don't definitely don't think it's a comedy. I think it could be I think it could actually win filmmaker select award. Uh, and the film's called Star Wars Generations, and it was directed by uh, Jason Tobias, who I've I've become friends with on Facebook. And you know I watched the film, and it's like it, it's about it's about a family like the grandfather, a father, and a son, and the grandfather is telling his grandson you know, stories of him being a Jedi. And then it's about the child's imagination. It's like storytelling. And then Jason Tobias, he plays the father, and he shows up and he, like, interjects. And it's a really, like, charming, heartwarming film that celebrates the imagination of Star Wars. So it's kind of like, it's very, very professionally produced. It's really well done. And it's just one of those things that's like, do you love Star Wars? Then you love this film because it's very touching. Right. So, you know, that's one I think, you know, and it's supreme, supremely different from Behind the Saber. But, you know, that's like an idea of like a fan film that's made for anyone who's a Star Wars fan. And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of really, really good stuff within the awards. And, you know, I'll send you a list of my eight favorites, but we won't discuss it on the air because I don't want, um, you know, I don't want anybody to think I'm biased towards certain films.
1: But, right, right. You know,
0: but- um it's fair to give 25 people a chance,
1: you know? And I, I was thinking about this earlier. It, it's, it's really cool that something like, you know, the star Wars fan film awards and really just the internet in general gives you that platform to, you know, express yourself like that. Cause I, so many people like us grew up loving star Wars. So getting to see them, you know, make star Wars fan films, which I, I You mentioning it earlier, I do remember the Fan Film Awards being around in the early 2000s, -hmm. because I would read about it on the Internet all the time. And
0: I wasn't in touch with the the fan films. You know, I had no idea they were even going on. I mean, my life was so different at that point. But and also that was like George Lucas was heavily involved. Right. And, And I mean, I was young, too, at that point, because that's the prequels were coming out. And I mean, I wasn't even a filmmaker at that point. Well, we, I just, I didn't become a filmmaker till like oh seven oh eight.
1: Right, so. we have a uh, we have a convention here uh, called Pensacon, mm-hmm. and in I think it was 2015 we actually had like a giant screen in our uh, in our convention center, and we actually showed some of the old Star Wars fan films from like 2004 to 2005. Mm. And it was really cool, like seeing really how filmmaking's progressed. Because I mean, good equipment's easier to buy now, and like that's, yeah,
0: it, that's the thing, you know. Like you, I, I definitely I've got to check out some of those older films. But you know, like you said, you know, the internet and technology today, and like StarWars.com being able to provide that platform for filmmakers to get their work out there. You know, it's it's such like it's just such an amazing thing. And I've even seen like even from the winners of last year's contest to the to the contestants in this year's contest, you see like some serious production values. And the thing is, I, I don't think that Disney and Lucasfilm are like, OK, we're doing a fan film contest, you know, uh, let's see what we get. I don't think they're expecting people to have like some serious Sony cameras and lights mm-hmm. and sound equipment and wardrobe supervisors and actors you know i they're expecting someone who is not a filmmaker to pick up a camera and make a film but technology is so accessible today that even someone who doesn't know how to make a film can buy a decent level camera they can go on youtube they can look up how to make a film and they can teach themselves and they can make a shot list and they can get people to help and they can reach out because of the internet you know that's one of the beautiful things about technology is that it connects people and it it creates awareness and you can find what you need um and in an instant you know like you could just do a google search and you're now you're learning something um which was not so prevalent in the 90s and early 2000s it was the same thing but technology has just exponentially grown and now everybody And their mother is a filmmaker. Even, even iPhones, you know, people can make a film on an iPhone.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, takes a skilled filmmaker to do it right, but it's possible. So, you know, it's the sky's the limit. And I, I, it's, I, I'm just, I would, I would love to be a fly on the wall at Lucasfilm when they're watching these 25 fan films that are like currently in the festival and see their reactions and see like holy shit look what these guys did they act they actually did that like that 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 one sequence might have been better than something from the force awakens you know and it because i think i think even they're interested to see what's possible and you know you know i'm not i don't consider myself a crazy star wars fan I don't consider myself a non-Star Wars fan. If you ask me, it just makes sense to love Star Wars because it's, like, normal, you know? Um, I asked somebody today, I said, are you a Star Wars fan? And they said, well, I don't know if I'm a fan. I've seen every film twice. And I was like, dude, you're a Star Wars fan, all right? It doesn't mean you're crazy, like, you dress up and you go to Comic-Cons every weekend and you have, like, 17 lightsabers at home. It just means... Star Wars represents like a love of imagination and possibility. Mm -hmm. That's what it's always been to me. Like, you know, it's just like the, the normal themes of like the light side of the force and the dark side of the force. And like there's, there's it's, it relates to everything we go through in life that if we know we can do something good, but we also know that we can do something bad. What kind of choice do we make? What kind of life do we want to lead? So, and, of course, who doesn't love a glowing lightsaber? You know, like, we could all use glowing lightsabers.
1: If only so, they were real.
0: <laughs> one, day, one day, I think they will be. Uh,
1: I have no doubt they will be one day.
0: They'll, they'll probably be military weapons.
1: <laughs> you know? Probably, yeah.
0: Remember, you might have to get them on the black market. You might have to fly to, like, uh, Saturn to get one that is, uh, you know, not registered on Earth. But... I, don't know if that'll, I can just
1: like, imagine two, like, military teams running towards each other, and then one just pulls out, like, a bunch of lightsabers, and the other one's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but using the Force to deflect bullets, too. Oh, that would be even worse. <laughs> um, one quick question before we get into uh, Force Awakens discussion. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we've mentioned the the website which is uh, starwarsfanfilmawards dot com. So people just go to this website and they can yeah they can vote. Yes, there's,
0: yeah, so there's a lot of easy ways. Um, the first link that I had been sharing was StarWarsFanFilmAwards.com. dot com. So if you go to that link, it just it takes you right to the homepage and it explains to you about the audience choice voting and it shows you all the twenty five films. Um, but that's a mouthful to say, hey, go to Star Wars uh, It looks good on on like a Facebook post or an email. But, but you could also tell people just go to Star Wars.com because if you go to Star Wars.com, literally the second post down, if you're on mobile or if you're on a desktop, it's just over to the right, it says Phantom Awards. So you could just tell people go to Star Wars.com and look for the Phantom Awards. Um, I've also created a Facebook page for the film, Facebook.com. Star Wars BTS because originally um, I wasn't sure about the title. I knew that it was like behind the scenes of a Star Wars film so I kind of came up with BTS and I thought well it should be Behind the Saber and that's kind of how I came up with the title. So I I made that Facebook page early on just in case I ended up being in the contest and I can tell people about it. So I, I have that page just for my film but that will link you to StarWarsFanFilmAwards.com and StarWars.com, and those fan films are live until June 19th, or at least voting is live until June 19th. Now you have to make an account to vote. Um, you can sign up with your email address, or you can just use your Facebook or Google Plus account, and you can vote once a day. And, I, and the reason they need you to make an account is because they have to track the votes. If you if you didn't have to make an account, you could just go onto the website and click vote, click vote, click vote. So they're doing that, I think, for obviously logical reasons and to be fair. But I, I have to remind people, you can – somebody Somebody says to me, hey, I voted the other day. And I was like, oh, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Did you know that you can vote once a day? And like, oh, really? And I clearly say that in like all my social media and all my posts is like you vote once a day until June 19th. Um, you just kind of have to hammer people over the head with it a little bit. And But you can just go to any of those website links – And once a day until June 19th, you can cast one vote and then voting closes on June 19th. And I don't know what's going to happen after that. I know that the films will probably remain on the site, but voting will be closed. And then come July 15th, they'll announce the winners. And then that's going to create the whole next step of the adventure. So who knows where the galaxy is going to take us.
1: Exactly, and I'll put uh, links to uh, starwars.com and ways that people can vote in the episode description as well, so whoever listens can just look in the description and click on it, and it'll take it you know, right to the website. Right.
0: Great, man. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, no problem. So, last question. Last time you were on the show was the week before Force Awakens came out. Mm. And I know we were both planning on... Seeing it opening night, which we both did. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> In different states, New
0: York and Florida represent.
1: Yeah, exactly. How, how was the experience opening night?
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> man, let me tell you. Okay, so um, it came out during my busy season for work. So I had been working like a 12- or 14-hour day, and then – went out, grabbed a beer or two, and then went to the theater. And it wasn't an IMAX screen. So, because we didn't buy... I had bought my tickets like two months in advance and I I just... Because I was just like, I was worried they were going to sell out. And I was like, I want to be there opening night. I want to be with this crowd. So we... Um, my buddy Alex and I who helped me on Behind the Saber as co-producer, he... He came with me. We went to the theater. And it was kind of a small screen, which kind of sucked. It wasn't like a great big IMAX screen. But it was fine. I was a little bit tired. But that night, I saw the film. I took it in. And I the, the feeling was, I cannot believe I'm seeing this right now. Like, I remember watching as every new scene came on. I was like, I cannot believe I am seeing this. For the first time... Someone other than George Lucas is directing. Uh, obviously, I know George Lucas didn't direct all the films, but you know he was very much like all of his hands were in the pots, and
1: he was still very involved. Know, he was extremely
0: involved, and you know there's that great documentary, The People vs. George Lucas, and it shows like the kind of culture that was going on uh, in the Star Wars films. So now you've got J.J. Abrams taking the helm, and you know basically George Lucas is like. Go ahead, JJ, do your thing. So, for the first time, you're seeing, like, a fresh filmmaker make his, like, epic fan film that's, like, the official Star Wars canon all these years later. And there were just some scenes. It was like, I can't. They did it. Like, they did it. Like, every 15 minutes throughout the film, in my mind, I was going, they're doing this. Like, I'm watching this. This is amazing. Um, I absolutely love The Force Awakens. I saw it three times in theaters. I saw it a second time. And then finally, for my third time, I saw it at the Lincoln Center IMAX in New York City, which most people know the Lincoln Center IMAX is one of two true IMAX screens in the world. The first true IMAX screen is in, is in Japan. I believe it's Tokyo. I'm not sure. I've never been um, because it was built around the same time as the Lincoln Center IMAX screen, which was like, I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s. And the difference between these two IMAX screens versus all the new ones is that these two IMAX screens were built to scale. So they built the screen on the proper IMAX ratio, and then they adjusted the roof ceiling of the building to fit the screen. All the other IMAXs, once the IMAX fad kind of came about, what they started doing was stuffing IMAX screens into existing structures. So they weren't Upping the ceiling, expanding the walls. They were literally just stuffing an IMAX screen to fill all the space that they could. So they're not true IMAX screens. The Lincoln Center IMAX theater sits almost 1,000 people. Wow. So when, when you go, and I'll, I'll find a, I took a picture once. Uh, I took a picture when I saw it in the IMAX, like before the lights went down. Just to show that it's like it's like sitting in a stadium and you go into the theater and you walk up 20 20 rows and you sit back row center and now they do reserve seating. They've been doing this for a few years now that you can get a reserve seat back when we went to see like the Dark Knight um, when that first came out Um they didn't have reserve seats, so you had to buy a ticket and you had to get there three hours early, so you could be first in line, so you could enter the theater and run up all the way to the back and get those back row center seats. Because when you sit in the back row center, you can take in the entire screen, you see everything perfectly. If you go to this IMAX theater and you go late and you sit in the front, you're screwed because your neck is going to be messed up for like weeks. So because mm-hmm. the screen is that massive, I'm gonna I'm gonna find this picture. I'm gonna send it to you.
1: Um. That so, sounds unbelievable. It, what's that? That sounds unbelievable.
0: It's incredible. Next time you're in New York, I'm going to take you to this IMAX theater. I'm going to it, hopefully there's a good movie playing, but if not, I'm still going to take you to this IMAX theater so you see what I'm talking about. And so, for my third and final time, I went and I saw Star Wars: The Force Awakens in the IMAX theater, and, and it's just, I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think. Is it a perfect film? No, of course not. No film is perfect. Every film has its flaws. But there's so much to love about this movie. You know, the fact that the original cast was all back. Um, you know, and I like I fully support. You know, J.J. Abrams came out and he said, "I went I went backwards to go forwards." So there's similar similar you know plot lines like within A New Hope and. Um, Uh, the title is escaping me right now. Um, Return of the Jedi. There's similar plot lines there. But he did that to reset the palette for the current generation of people going to see a Star Wars movie. I fully, 100% support it. Because now I think what's going to happen is in Episode 8, it's literally going to be Luke Skywalker finally. And just the fact that Mark Hamill is back doing it blows my mind 30 years later. So he's back, and he's taking on Yoda's role, you know, similar to his in Empire Strikes Back. It blows my mind. That, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. The fact that it exists is – it's it's it is it's like so – it's an amazing time to be alive, to, like, to witness this happen for the first time. It's like unbelievable. Like this is going to be in the history books like 300 years later, and they're going to be like – remember when Star Wars came out? And then 30 years later, they did this new trilogy that nobody ever expected and – There's just – I'm just just a huge fan. And uh, I – you know, Han Solo. Like, I couldn't believe he was in the film so much. And I understand – I probably shouldn't spoil anything because I guarantee you there are people that haven't seen it still at this point. There's a lot of people that – I've spoken to people because especially I've been doing the Star Wars contest. A lot of people don't watch Star Wars to my surprise.
1: As I've I said, gotten older, I, I've I've seen that as well. Like a lot of people I work with have never seen Star Wars.
0: I will tell you, like I can't date a girl who hasn't watched Star Wars and has no interest. I can't do it. Um, like if I'm really, really, I, I mean, I'm not a jerk, but I mean, like it's like a red, flag. it's a red flag
1: for me. But <laughs> but you have standards.
0: Yeah, I've got some standards. Like. <laughs> Are you at least are you at least willing to watch Star Wars? Because if you are, then we can we can work something uh, out. I've I've got to yeah. tell
1: you this random story. So I I've okay. been dating this girl for about three months, a little over three months, and uh, I go over to her house uh, for dinner, and she's like, "Hey, uh, did you decide uh, what movie you wanted to watch?" And I was like, "I don't know yet. I'll go back and see what movies you have." And then she says, "Oh, I was thinking we just watched The Empire Strikes Back." <laughs> so I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm done.
0: You're, You're like, okay, uh, I'm into this. This is gonna work. <laughs> wow, that's like that's like getting smacked in the face with gold. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I was yeah. just like, holy shit. Wow. Good things happen, my friends. You know, the force is strong. Force is strong. But no, I, I was, I was the exact same way. I went opening night. I did get to see it in IMAX, which was, which was really cool. But
0: it's the I way was, to see it for sure. Yeah.
1: I was just sitting there, and it didn't really hit me until the lights dimmed and you see the Lucasfilm logo come up, and I'm like, oh my god, this is actually happening.
0: Yeah, it's very surreal. It's very surreal to see it.
1: Because for the longest time, I did not believe there would ever be another Star Wars movie. Even like when Disney announced they were doing a new trilogy, I'm like – it was still a little hard to believe. But right. once they started filming it, I'm like, this – this is happening. And it's just, it it made me so happy because those were movies that I grew up loving and getting to actually, you know, be older now and be able to appreciate it more and seeing new ones with new characters and old characters combined. It's just awesome.
0: I tell you, I saw the film three times in theaters, third time in the IMAX. Every time I saw the film, Every 15 minutes in my brain, I said to myself, I cannot believe I'm seeing this. This is amazing. Like, this is – this. they did this. Like, it's such an accomplishment. Like, it's something we never thought was going to happen. So to see it – and literally, I saw the film three times, and I had the same experience three times. Like, this is incredible. They did this. They accomplished this. Like, it's – you know, especially coming off of the prequels and, you know, so many people hating those prequels and – you know, I did a marathon. I watched the six films in order. It's not something I've ever done before. I watched the six films, episodes one through six, before I went and saw it my first time. And, you know, it was, it was an interesting experience. And I will say that, you know, a lot of people hate the prequels. And I get why but I think that there are good ideas within the prequels. And I think that a lot of stuff is just not executed as best as it could be. And, and, but I will say that, you know, George Lucas has some very ambitious kind of, you know, things that he wanted to try. So, so it's, it's just fascinating, you know, and I, I, I feel like you see what George Lucas really wanted fleshed out in the animated series. So I've been watching the Clone Wars and um the animated series that was on the Cartoon Network. And I that feel like very the good. Clone Wars. Yeah, I'm I'm very, very impressed by it. the writing, the animation, the um I, I feel like this the Clone Wars, the animated series, is kind of what George Lucas wanted his prequels to be. Like if he could have done it, like full on, like it would have been like the Clone Wars and the the writing and the direction and like taking those people and putting them in those situations, like it's really really on point. I'm not even done. I'm like somewhere like late in season two, but it's really really impressive. Like it feels like it feels like totally totally fleshed out, and they have they have the ability to do that because each season is like 24 episodes, a half hour episode, it's one story per episode, and there's a continuity that's there, and it really shows you like this is what Obi Wan. And, you know, uh, Yoda were doing and Mace Windu and it's kind of it's, it's kind of crazy, <clears throat> which I, one other point I want to say, I really hope that Ray is not Luke Skywalker's daughter or granddaughter or family. I, I know everybody wants Ray to be a Skywalker, but back in the prequels during the Clone Wars, Jedi's came from all walks of life and all generations why does every new jedi have to be a skywalker? Like there are jedis from jedis exist from other bloodlines. So I just I just don't want it to be a skywalker. I really I I really just want it to be a different line of jedi, you know?
1: No, I I totally agree with that. I had an interesting theory on what they could do just to kind of I guess turn the tables on how the prequels and or- original trilogy were. Have Rey be the granddaughter of Obi-Wan. Yeah. Say yeah. say while Obi-Wan's on Tatooine, he has a relationship, and then say his son or daughter has a kid who ends up being Rey. And that's why Luke was so overprotective of her and left her on Jakku, mm-hmm. because of who she is. Yeah. I, I just think that'd be kind of cool with a Kenobi training a Skywalker from the prequels to the originals, and then the tables have turned. Right. For, it, I think it would create a new dynamic, and it would just add something a little different. I mean, if you're going to keep it in the lineage of known families... Right. But I, but I wouldn't mind if she just ended up being somebody completely different. Like, we don't I, really know her background.
0: Yeah. I think it's time to branch out. I think if if, if what J.J. Abrams said he was doing was, with, with episode seven... That he's just kind of resetting the palette. Now, um, I think it's Rian, Rian Johnson, right? Who's directing episode eight. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, you know, depending on what their script is, that it's, I think they're going to do something totally different. Like, obviously, it's going to feel like a Star Wars film. It's going to be a Star Wars film. But I feel like they're just going to go in a very different direction. And I just hope they shock the pants off us, man. I hope I hope we sit in that theater and we're just like, whoa, this this is happening. This is crazy, you know, like it's time because we've already had six Star Wars films, seven Star Wars films. So it's time to like really push the boundaries, you know, it was interesting to hear about Rogue One that they've been requesting uh, reshoots because Disney thought it was a little bit too dark and too, too edgy and gritty because, you know, Gareth Edwards comes in and says, you want me to make a Star
1: Wars film? I'm, I'm going to make a Star Wars film. And, and I thought a, that trailer looked so awesome. The trailer was unbelievable. Yes, it was. This trailer was ridiculous. So,
0: but of course, Disney has to market it to their kids. You know, it's important. Kids are the audience. It's a business. They have to feel like, you know, parents of children won't regret taking their kids to see this movie because there's some dark stuff that happens. And then the kids are scarred, you know, because Disney has to protect their brand. So, I mean, I get it. I understand. Um, I think there's a balance that definitely has to take place. And I think J.J. Abrams dealt with that, too. So, um, but even as a PG thirteen film, The Force Awakens, like it didn't have to be rated R, dark and gritty. Like it was fine. Like I, if you ask me, it felt like a Star Wars film. Like it felt like it had the right balance of, you know, colors and um, you know, drama, and it just everything just fleshed so well.
1: No, I, I totally agree. It, it it captured the essence of the originals. Like it felt like one of the original movies in tone look, composition, everything.
0: Yeah.
1: And I thought that was one of the multiple reasons why it was so great. Mm-hmm. But uh, last question, how can people follow you on social media? Because I know you're on uh, Facebook and Twitter, correct?
0: Uh, yes. Um, so I have a Facebook page that is facebook.com slash Zach Z-A-C-K. And that's where I post a, a lot of my film updates. And, you know, I've been posting a lot of the Star Wars Behind the Saber updates. And I just basically what I'm up to in New York. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Zach Abramowitz. So at Z-A-C-K-A-B-R-A-M-O-W-I-T-Z. I've spelled my name probably 15,000 times since I've been born at this point. Um, and I'm okay with that because it's who I am. And I'm proud of who I am. And I've got Facebook page for Behind a Saber is Facebook.com/slash/StarWarsBTS, and I think those are the prevalent pages that are really important.
1: Awesome. Well, Zach, yeah. thank you very much again for uh, coming on the show. We'll have to do it again soon.
0: Derek, thanks for having me on, man. Really, really was a pleasure.
1: My thanks again to Zach for coming back on the podcast to talk Star Wars and Behind the Saber. Be sure to go to StarWars.com once a day and vote for Behind the Saber. Next week, I'll be discussing another one of my favorite subjects, and that would be pro wrestling. I will be doing a wrestling roundtable with two friends of mine, Nick Caputo and Adam Gumbert. So if you're a wrestling fan, definitely come back and check out next week's show. But until then, you can check out past episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can also follow me on social media, on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, My personal page is at Derek underscore Diamond, and the show page is at DDE underscore podcast. And that's all I've got, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.